Welcome to the A Plus EdTech Podcast, the monthly podcast about education and educational technology. I'm your host, Ashley McBride. In this episode, I am interviewing my friend Stacy Lovedell. Stacy is in ITF in Catatauba County Schools, and before that, she taught middle school science. I first met Stacy in the NCDLCN cohort at the Friday Institute. Since then, we've had multiple conversations on Voxer, we've met together at NC Ties, and at a number of different ed camps. But over the summer, Stacy and I were able to do a traveling group with the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction who did presentations to help teachers with the new North Carolina Digital Teaching and Learning Standards. Stacy had the most popular sessions because she focused on virtual reality and having teachers learn how to allow students to create virtual reality and not just participate in virtual reality. So in this episode, we're going to focus on uh, the elements from that presentation, and we're going to talk about virtual reality. So I really hope that you get a lot out of this episode, because I certainly know that I did. Hi, I am Stacy Lovedahl, and I'm an instructional technology facilitator with Catawba County Schools, way out here in Western North Carolina. And I've been with um, Catawba County for 14 years. Before becoming an ITF, I was a middle school science teacher. And I love teaching um, middle school science, loved implementing um, technology in my classroom with students. We are a Google Apps for Education district now. And um, one of the things that I get to do in my current position as an ITF is go around to um, kindergarten through early college, high school, and help teachers integrate technology into their classrooms. I'm really excited to be here. All right. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and giving me time uh, with you. I know it took us a while to finally get together. <laughs> I know. Time flies, though. It does. It does. So we're going to talk about virtual reality. Could you start off by telling us what is virtual reality? Well, whenever we do this with uh, students, and no matter if they are, you know, elementary level students or even high school, I always start off with a quick show of hands. Who has used virtual reality? Who knows what VR is? And over the last two years, the number of hands that go up has increased slightly, I have to say. In the beginning, it'd be one or two hands. Right around Christmas time, the number of hands goes up because right? uh, it's become a really popular um, Christmas present. So virtual reality has the, um, has the effect of making you feel as if you're there. And we kind of um, contrast it with augmented reality. Augmented reality is a type of technology that takes the real world and then adds a layer over top of it. So the best example of that would be Pokemon Go. Um, but virtual reality, when you put the goggles on or you put the viewers on, um, it ha- when you're looking through that, it's very immersive. 
and it makes you feel as if you're in the experience. And sometimes the experience is, um, it transports you to another place, like a real place. It might take you to the Great Wall of China, or it might take you to a trip to outer space, to the solar system. Um, but sometimes these virtual reality locations are, um, are artificial. They might be an animated space. So, but the, the, the basic, I guess, um, qualities of it are that it's immersive and it makes you feel as if you are in the space itself. So you presented some this summer, and I'm sure you've presented some since, uh, on virtual reality. Um, and to me, there seems to be two types now that I've kind of spoken to you about it a little bit and saw your presentation um, there seems to be the kinds that are already created. And then you also yeah. talked about being able to create your own. Uh, before we get into that, uh, what are some great ways that you can use already created VR activities in the classroom? We have been doing, when I say we, Catawba County Schools, we have been really, really lucky for the last two years to have access to a complete roll it into the classroom Google Expeditions kit. And um, so that's that's where I've just got a lot of experience um, working with teachers and kids kindergarten through high school with Google Expeditions. And so that is a, it's a free app. And when we started out last um, fall, like two falls ago, there were about, I'm gonna say maybe 200 Google Expeditions available to be used in classrooms. And if you were to look on the list, and you can Google this, of um, the list of available Google Expeditions, it's a spreadsheet, there are probably almost 800 that are available now. So it has really increased a lot in the last two years. So um, Google Expeditions are immersive, real places that you can use in your classroom to take kids on virtual field trips. So when you do that, do you have to have an iPad or something to link to the Google Expeditions? Yeah, so the and you can you can do this with the Google Expeditions kits that that we're lucky enough to have or you can actually put one together using cuz the basic components are are really really simple. You need some kind of a viewer. You can use Google Cardboard you can use the Viewmaster viewers that you can look for online. So you need some kind of a viewer. You need some kind of a device like a iPhone or an Android phone or even an iPod um, to put inside the viewer. And that's for the kids to use. Now you mean an iPod touch, right? You don't mean the, the old ones. When I think of iPods, I think of the thing with the circle that you... <laughs> Yeah, an iPod Touch. You're right. But yeah. you know what? The, the kids, though, they'll be like, "Oh, they'll 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 take them out and say, well, you mean I can use this?'" And if you can download the um, the Expeditions app to it, um, even though they look a little bit small, I mean, because now our phones are gigantic, but even though they look a little bit smaller, they will actually work. So really. Um, it's not like you need the brand, the most brand new, super amazingly expensive phone to put into these viewers. So, yeah, that's kind of the good news. It's very, um, you know, we, we've got, uh, we have some teachers who have put together kits with, for their classroom, like a little station, a Google Expedition station, 
using um, donated phones and donated devices that are maybe you know sitting around in people's houses that they didn't turn in and they're thinking you know what am I going to do with this maybe the kids use it every once in a while but um, yeah they haven't upgraded it or whatever so um, if you can download the app you can you can and you know get a Google Cardboard you can probably use it so that's that's the the first two things and then the third thing is you need a um, another device to run the expedition and that can be an iPad it can be a tablet an Android tablet or it can be a phone so there's a, the, a third device involved in running the expedition and that third device is controlled by the teacher now the cool thing about Google Expeditions though is this fall I'm not sure exactly of the date but the Expeditions app was um, upgraded so that there's also an ability to have self let's see self-guided yeah I guess self-guided um, expeditions so you could the teacher could set up um, expeditions on the phones or on the devices and put the viewers out on a table and kids can just go pick them up and take themselves on their own tours and do so you wouldn't have to have that third device and lead the whole class instead of doing a whole class experience you could have it set up in stations and have the kids take themselves on their own expeditions which would allow for personalization or for them to be able to go and and look on their own as opposed to having the entire class have to do it that's that's good that's good mm -hmm. so um now let's talk a little bit about creating your own because this is something that honestly until I had spoken to you over the summer I did not really realize uh was a thing so how do you create your own virtual reality? Is it is it really hard? I mean, it just sounds hard. Well, it definitely has some steps. Okay, so I'm not going to say, you know, if I were going to have to rate my rate this experience from, you know, beginner to advanced, I'm going to put it at least rock solid in the middle. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to, you know, not advanced. I mean, if you're comfortable with technology and everything, then, you know, you could probably do it. But if you're a brand new person and you're like, you know, worried about where to click, then you definitely want to team up with your technology facilitator and do this together. And actually, I would recommend, you know, teaming up with somebody for the first time through it, you know, anyways, just because it's always better to work together with somebody. But um, so the two, the two types of student-created VR that I've worked with are the, the ultimate thing that you get to is... Um, using a website called RoundMe or another website called CoSpaces. And they're both very, very different. So um, I'm going to start with RoundMe. And so, but before I even talk about that, let me just say like a quick little thing about why. Like okay. why would you want to have kids create virtual reality? And my first thing is, is that it is something that is so current and a direction that I think technology is going in some way, shape or form, like where it's going to end up. I have, I personally have no idea, but it is definitely something that I feel like our kids need to understand what it looks like and how to create something that is 
a, a high quality experience. So when we look at the Google expeditions, that's a, you know, even though it's engaging and even though it's amazing and even though it's immersive and even though it's all of these really good things, when it gets right down to it, it's still teacher directed and it's still passive-ish and it's still consumptive, right? And so if we want to move kids towards creation, then student-created VR lets them do that. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, why do we want kids to do this? It's because we are teaching them how to create the things that they see out there in the world. Um, so the Round Me um, project that I've done um, with a couple of teachers and that we've done in Catawba County, there's a real... And so we, we know that this works with real life kids and real life classes. Let's kids take um, pictures with their phones, so of real places, and then bring them into the Round Me website and add information on top of that picture to create a virtual reality experience. And um, the project that we did, just in a really quick little nutshell, is was related to, uh, I think it was, in one case it was a social studies teacher, in another case it was a science teacher. And what they did was kind of challenge the kids to go out in the real world and take 360 degree pictures, like spherical photos, with their phones. And, and can you, do they do this like in their own... Is it a Round Me app that has them do the 360 pictures, or is it their phone that just does it? They would start off with the, to take the pictures. They could use almost any app to take the pictures, but what we suggested to them was to use the Street View, the Google Street View app. Um, there are a lot of, you know, some phones, just depending on what type of phone they had, might have already had, you know, some kind of panoramic photo taking app in it already, but just for consistency so that we could help them um, in class, we suggested that they use the Google Street View app. And if you're familiar with Street View, if you're not, you should totally download it. Um, but if you um, are familiar with Street View, it's just a an app that lets you use your camera on your phone to take a picture that stitches a spherical a spherical photo together. Okay. So, um, and we, you know, we demonstrated in class. We had a, a, like a 20 minute kind of practice session. Everybody brought their phones in that day for kids who didn't have phones. We brought in the VR kit so that we'd have a couple of backup phones for kids who didn't have devices. So we made sure everybody had a chance to, um, um, to, to practice. So, and we teamed up and we paired up and we tried to make sure everybody had access. So access was something we definitely um, tried to make sure we, we thought about in advance. So everybody practiced with the street view app to make sure they could take pictures. Um, then the second thing we did was, you know, everybody had a location that they were going to go take pictures. In some cases it was on campus. And in some cases, we had parents um, sign um, permission that their kids would be able to, you know, drive or they would take their kids to an off-campus location. And then in another case, it was high school students, so they were able to drive and, you know, go wherever they wanted. So they went and they collected their pictures. And the second step was to upload those pictures to Google Drive. So we just got them into Drive, someplace where they could, you know, access them later. And then the... 
next step was they had to just do what they would do with anything that they were doing in class. So they researched about their location. So in the case of the history project, they were researching about historical places around Catawba County. And the teacher in this case had them, you know, get quotes. They had them um, try to find music that was associated with the place, try to find historical pictures associated with the place. So there's like this list of criteria that if they were doing a presentation, they would have had to research anyways. So in that case, that you know, was other than taking the spherical photo, everything about the project was something that the teacher was gonna have them do anyways. So, you know, did the whole research thing. And then once all that was collected, um, I came back and worked with the class to get the photos uploaded to the RoundMe site. And RoundMe allows you to import text and, and basically pop it in on top of the picture. Okay. Text, audio, and um, images. So they could narrate so it too? They could narrate it. And then once you save it all and, and it kind of stitches the whole thing together, you um, copy the link, you share the RoundMe site via link and make it public and everything. And we uh, shared the links with the class and you can present in a couple of different ways. You could present it through the VR viewers so when the kids would look at it through the viewers, when they would pan in the viewers over top of one of those little links, the audio would play or they could click on the text box and the text would open up and they could read it. Or they could put it up on the screen and they could just use the mouse to scroll by everything. Or they could just share the links with the whole class and the class could click on it you know, on the computers and just scroll through the presentations um, in a, on, on the computers themselves, like individually. Okay. So it was, it was a pretty neat thing to do. That's that, that sounds fun. That sounds more fun than a PowerPoint presentation or a slides presentation or it was really neat to hear the, the kids voices too. So, cause round me is neat in that you can set the, um, the, the distance that, the audio plays at. So if you wanted to include um, sound, for example, like suppose your location, in one, in one case, the kids were doing the Bunker Hill Covered Bridge. So okay. if you were to go to the Roundy site and type in Bunker Hill Covered Bridge in Catawba County, you would see a lot of, a lot of kids did this one. They did a really good job. So some of them narrated different parts of that location. So you would hear their voices and they'd be talking. But some kids also included um, ambient sound, like the, the sound of the water trickling by. So no matter where, when you're looking at the bridge and the creek, you can hear the water. But then when you're looking behind you at the forest, you don't hear the water. So wow. it's directional. It's really, it's kind of neat. And the kids were super creative. So what's, what's the difference between Round Me and CoSpaces, which is the other one you mentioned? Okay, so CoSpaces is completely different. Um, it's a student-created space. So you put the kids in there. They all get their own little account. And um, it's animated. It's kind of like VR Minecraft. Okay. Okay. And it's, so if you go to CoSpaces, it, and they have a CoSpaces for education, it's a really, really neat place. Um, the kids can create their own 
space. And um, so I'm the, I'll, I'll explain if I give an example. One of the ones that I showed at the Science Center last week <clears throat> is um, if you type in DNA, it'll come right up. And the kids made a three-dimensional model of the DNA molecule and um, then around the side, so when you, when you pop into his co-space, when you pop into that space, you see this towering DNA molecule, okay? And you can walk towards it, you can climb up it, you can stand on you know, all of the base pairs, and then you can zoom out so you can look at the whole thing, and then you can walk over to a wall where he has, he or she, where the student has, um, each of the bases on the wall and some information about each one. So basically the student created a virtual reality gallery walk with a three-dimensional model of DNA. And to present it to the class, instead of having the kids watch his presentation, or the, you would look at it through the viewers and be able to physically walk around it and see it in virtual reality. That's cool. And I like the difference between the two that the ones the round me seems to be more along the lines of you're telling the story or you're telling the information about something that's physically there. So you can take the pictures with the co spaces is more, you know, I can't get as small as a as a uh, strand of DNA or, or something along those lines, then that's that gives them that freedom. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really totally different. And um, as creative as you want it to be. So you have a teacher, this teacher decides to take on a project like this with students, have them create something. Um, what are some things that that teacher should consider prior to starting? It really depends on the age, right? So if you were using co-spaces, you would um, definitely have to look at the age of your students and um, check out, you know, COPA compliance and all that sort of thing. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head about the whole 13 and older, so I would, I would check that right away. Other than that, supposing all of that is, you know, all those boxes are checked, once you um, get into the, the site itself, I've used it on a really wide variety of computers and I didn't see a whole lot of technical issues as far as using it on Chromebooks versus um, desktops or anything like that. So, but definitely just technically check it out beforehand on whatever devices it is that you're going to have your students work on. Um, so that's just the tech facilitator and me is just make sure that, you know, your equipment works with the website. The, the third thing I would say in terms of just planning is have the kids storyboard it or plan it out before they jump into the website. Because, you know, CoSpaces, for example, is something that when you, when you go in there, it's, it's, a blank, it's a blank screen. Right. And you can create anything in there. So you really need to have an idea of what you want to do before you, you jump into this blank, um, this blank space. And then backing up before that is if you are in one of my elementary schools, we have the kids go through a computer lab rotation. 
and they are able to use that rotation for a bunch of different things. They do Google Apps for education, um, just you know, kind of skills. They, um, the teacher in there works really closely with the grade levels to work on special projects and give them time to work on things. So if you were lucky enough to have that, you could do something that um, I learned from the Friday Institute and um, Lisa Hervey a few years ago, which is like a lesson zero. And that would be to just get your kids into co-spaces, get them logged in and just teach them the tool. You know, teach them that this is where you click to get these, you know, these little widgets. And this is how you, this is how you, you know, build a wall. And this is how you build a, uh, you know, a, a frame. And this is how you change your avatar. You know, just those kinds of things to get them familiar with the, with the tool itself before they go and, you know, have to design the project itself. So you want to give them time to just play with it without having to necessarily be focused and, and on this time crunch of I need to get something done uh, that they'll, that that's, yeah, I like that. I don't think we do that enough. Yeah, especially I, with something as new as, as the, the co-spaces in the Round Me app is, um, it takes a it takes a little bit of just playing around with just so you get you get comfortable with it. The kids will pick it up really really fast. Um, Round me is doesn't require as much um, you know pre learning time because really it's just a matter of uploading a picture and there are three things you can add. You can add text, you can add sound, and you can add images, and it's it's pretty quick. But CoSpaces has a lot of different things that you can do and you can build. So you know, one or two, you know, half hour sessions playing around with it beforehand would be really helpful. So how should a teacher maybe explain this to maybe their administration, first of all, because um, some people, I'm thinking sometimes secondary, and I'm not saying this is all, uh, but they're so worried about those tests, and they're so worried about hitting um, I think one time I, when I was in uh, Tennessee, they went through and found, you know, how many hours it would really take if you hit every standard that was written for <laughs> for certain classes. Um, how do you sell this to administration or somebody that doesn't necessarily see, uh, just by looking at it, see the benefit of it? Mm-hmm. I think that in the case of the the project where we were doing it with the um, the historical places, is this was a project that the teacher was already having them do. She was already having them research historical places. She was already having them go out and take pictures of it, and she was already having them do a presentation. And she was having them physically present it in class. So the only so we were taking an existing timeline that she had set up for class, and we were adding instead of a regular picture, we were adding the Street View app and taking a, a 360 picture, and we were adding. So basically, adding we were we weren't really adding; we were just changing the type of picture, and instead of a PowerPoint or a Google slideshow presentation, we were changing the the format platform the platform from that type of presentation to the um, 
to the to the virtual reality presentation. So in this particular case, we worked with something that was already going on in class. And what was going on in class, you know, it, it was really the presentations the kids were doing were really they were, they were really nice and they were really beautiful, and and the kids were getting to know their community and all of that sort of thing. So it had a lot of things going for it. And we were at we were just basically giving it a virtual reality um, upgrade um, to, to the existing project and hitting all the same um, objectives that she was hitting already in addition to some digital learning that were that were newer and adding an additional engagement factor for the kids so it was a net positive and it didn't take any additional time Okay. So well. I think in general, when, you know, sometimes things feel like they're, you know, piled on top of, but to the extent that we can look at what is already going on in class and integrate it into it so that it is, you know, it is interwoven and makes things better, not necessarily taking more time, but is you know, making what you're already doing um, enhanced. Okay. What about, what about parents? How do you, how do you sell this to the parents? Um, maybe not so much elementary. I could see, um, some elementary parents getting very excited about it, but, uh, and not saying parents wouldn't get excited about it in middle or high school, but you know, if what, what is some way that you could either sell this to parents or get them involved even? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that's super cool about both of these, um, the, both of the examples around me in co-spaces, is the idea of creation. The idea that this is something that is um, a forward-looking skill. That they are, you know, th this technology is something that is only going to be more prevalent in the future. So if you're in high school and in two or three years, your kids are you know, gonna get out into the real world, um, there's, only gonna, there's only gonna be more of this. Now we might not know exactly what this looks like, but the fact is it's, there's always more. So we're showing them something and giving them an experience with creating something that they're going to be interacting with in the future in, in, in some kind of real way. So there's that kind of practical future, you know, real world kind of thing. The second is, is that the second thing I would say is you can share these things so easily with parents. You can, you know, make a spreadsheet that's got a list of links and send that out to parents you know, like that, and they can actually see what their kids are doing and hear, um, if in the case of Round Me, they can hear the audio and see what they're doing. Whereas if it's a presentation in class, poof, it's done and nobody ever gets to hear a thing. And I'll tell you, seeing virtual reality is probably the best way to sell it because until you do it, um, you can kind of think, oh, yeah, it's immersive. Oh, yeah, it's, it's you know, makes you feel as if you're there. But when you actually put a viewer, even one of those, you know, those Google Cardboards or the Viewmaster viewers, which are, you know, like the low end of the spectrum when it comes to virtual reality, you don't even need the, you know, the couple hundred dollar, you know, Oculus Rift high end things. Um, it really is impressive. And then to let your parents see that not only is this um, virtual reality, but your kid created it. Um, I think seeing is believing. 
I think it sounds like a great project for student portfolios as they get ready to apply to colleges and things like that. It really, it shows a different skill. And I know that one thing that uh, high schoolers have a problem with is being different from every other high schooler who's high achieving or, um, and this, this adds a little bit more to it. So I, I think that's a, it's a great project for portfolios. Do you have, now I saw in your presentation and I don't think, uh, it's on our little sheet of notes, but did I see something where you can do coding with virtual reality? Yes, CoSpaces allows you to use Blockly. And I'm going to be honest, I have not done this with kids, but I have read that. Okay, so something to explore. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other suggestions for teachers or um, anybody thinking about using this or thinking about uh, purchasing the items to be able to do this? My overall suggestion or just recommendations would be that it is really, really worth it. We have had, like I said, Catawba County has been lucky to have these Google Expeditions kits in our district now for a year and a half. And we are like the traveling roadshow. We take, a, they're shared between my, between all of our schools and we we joke that we have to, you know, anyways, we're like the delivery service. We bring these to um, our teachers that we, we just can't keep them busy enough. Um, all of our lessons are integrated into, in their standards based. We started off with um, just thinking these were going to be engaging and, you know, a really good hook. And then teachers wouldn't get back to, you know, really teaching. But what we found is, is the engagement is where we start. But then that meeting with teachers and showing them how we can use the VR to be integrated and in part of a complete lesson keeps that, keeps the kids engaged and makes whatever you're teaching, whether it's, you know, art at the Guggenheim or, you know, the Galapagos Islands and your biology standards or, you know, teaching astronomy and the solar system and the phases of the moon, it just makes it that much more meaningful if you can start with the ooh-ah factor, but then keep it going for the entire 40-minute lesson. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to me. And um, I'd love to have you back on for anything else that you want to talk about, especially with your new traveling DPI position. I'd love to hear what you're doing. So this has been really fun. I can just talk off your talk your ear. I love talking about virtual reality, <laughs> and um, uh, just in co-spaces and Google Expeditions. We didn't even talk about you know Google Spotlight Stories and you know, the Within app and Discovery Ed VR and, uh, you know, there's just so many out there. I'd like to thank Stacy just one more time for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. And I really hope that you'll come on to a future episode and continue this conversation or a number of any other conversations that you want to have. 
To access the links to the resources that were mentioned in this episode, you can go to aplusedtech.com, and there you can also find all of the information about connecting with Stacy on social media. 